Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. Freed Up has a word for you. Today, we're going to explore the ways that we might get stuck after a breakup or loss of a relationship. Now, while we have many types of relationships in our lives that are meaningful to us, like friendships, parent-child relationships, those with coworkers and neighbors, I'm going to talk specifically in this episode about relationships that fell apart after having been emotionally connected through marriage or dating and how we can sometimes end up in a stuck place because of this loss. You better get your good ear on this one, friend. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Arguably, and perhaps besides the death of a loved one, navigating life after a failed relationship or a breakup with someone you love and care for is the most difficult emotional pain one can feel. Of course, any experience where a loss occurs can be devastating and sometimes traumatic. While we often hear the statistic that 50% of marriages end in divorce, this trend is actually shifting. According to studies, including one reported by the Center for Disease Control regarding relationships, the divorce rate is actually declining. But that's because marriage is declining as millennials are not marrying as young or as quickly. Now that said, Divorces still occur at alarming rates, and while data on premarital breakups after dating or being engaged is very difficult to collect and isolate, anecdotally, we know that a love relationship breakup is a normal part of adulting, and it is not easy to manage. All we need to do is just travel down the memory lane of our past experiences, and undoubtedly, each of us can identify at least one breakup, maybe more, that almost did us in. We haven't forgotten it or the circumstances surrounding it. The hippocampus part of our brain does its job very well. It stores all types of memories and it's highly likely that at least one breakup memory is being sorted and brought to your mind even now because of the topic of today's podcast. And once it's surfaced, some of us might think about it momentarily and then move on from that memory, maybe even chuckle about it. One breakup memory that I laugh about often and even joke about with a few of my friends is related to someone that I dated many years ago. We had gotten to the place where we had begun to talk about whether engagement was the next step for us. Shortly after the first few conversations about this, he told me that he needed to go on a three-week fast to hear from God about us and that we couldn't see each other during that time so that there wouldn't be any distractions. And I said, okay, thinking, wow, what a stand-up dude. He cares that much. And then after those three weeks passed, he contacted me and he told me that he had not clearly heard from God during that time and he needed another three weeks or so. Well, listen, I think I can hear some of you laughing on your end about this or at least doing some major head shaking. And look, girl, go ahead, because it was crazy. (laughs) I laugh about it whenever I think about it, even though I definitely couldn't laugh about it back then. No. Oh, no, for sure not. Needless to say, the only fasting he was doing was for me. 
and not much else. Let me add that in. And then sometimes the memory that comes back to our mind stings us still, even with the time that has passed. And while you've made your peace with it, it just makes you feel some kind of way. But in a few moments, the memory is gone again and you're back to whatever you were doing. But what do you do when you can't laugh at the distant memory or the thoughts from the memory still sting and just don't go away easily for you? but instead the memories linger just like the pain has, the hurt, the sadness, the brokenness, the anger, and maybe even a desire for retaliation. And not only has it not gone away, but you just don't feel like you can get it together to move forward. In the last episode, we talked about some ways that we can assess whether we might be stuck in a particular situation or thought pattern. And if you haven't listened to that episode, then you know what you gotta do, right? So what is it that causes us to get stuck after a love relationship ends? Well, here are a few things that I think impact us in a big way. First, I think we get stuck because of the myths. Sometimes the stuck place after a breakup is caused by the myths or the lies that we've told ourselves or have let others tell us about what we've experienced. And when we internalize these thoughts and statements as truth, We set ourselves up for a bumpy ride in our journey to being freed up after the love has been lost. We spiral into unhealthy thinking patterns, which don't help us move forward with healthy behaviors. So I want to briefly explore three myths that can negatively affect our mental and emotional health. And that first myth is this. The relationship was a lie. It wasn't real. Now listen. Regardless of the reasons a relationship ended, it was a relationship nonetheless. No matter what that person may have said or done that hurt you or vice versa, it still involved relational exchanges in which you and the other person had some level of emotional investment with each other. That means it was real, even if it wasn't healthy. It wasn't a lie, even if it lacked the truth the respect and the dignity that you long for and didn't receive. Sometimes relationships simply do not work. The list of the whys are endless. And many times it comes down to the fact that one or both people were not ready to fully commit to the choice to love and the work that love requires of us. If you invested in it in any way, it was real, even if it wasn't really good. And the second myth that we can get stuck in is, I wasted my time. Oh, this one right here. Can I just admit to you that I have said this myself and not just once? You know, we have to remember that pain has a voice. The voice of pain can be just as powerful as the voice of purpose. We need courage and wisdom to hear pain's voice and yet know when it's time to shut that voice down. Pain may tell us that we shouldn't have invested our heart and resources. Purpose reminds us that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called to his purposes. Pain may say to us that we gave it too many months or too many years. But purpose tells us that God will redeem the time 
and restore back to us what we have lost. His mercy and his grace do that. Pain may shout and say, you are a fool. Purpose yells back that God knows your name and he calls you chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and that you belong to him. Pain may whisper, they got over on you. Purpose responds back that what others may have intended for evil, God will use it for your good. God wastes nothing. He uses every situation, every hurt, every pain, every crooked and rough place, every bad decision and simple choice made, and he supernaturally uses it to shape and mold us to become more like him. The truth is that once we settle down a bit and pull up from our emotions, we will see that we've gained a lot. We've grown. We gained wisdom. We learned more about ourselves. And we were stronger than we even knew. And then the third myth that can get us stuck is, I should have seen it coming. Friends, stop telling yourself that. All relationships have trouble and challenges. It doesn't mean that they won't make it. Rather, it might mean that the working through the challenges is helping you to become one if you're married. Or it may provide more insight about someone if you're dating them. Yes, sometimes those troubles might lead to an ending. We can't always predict how relationships will turn out. You know, this statement, I should have seen it coming, if you drill way down beneath that statement, it's a futile attempt to control our lives and to prevent us from experiencing the hurt that life will sometimes bring us. Life is unpredictable and love always requires a risk. Love is an act of faith. The risk of loving someone means that we cannot know what will happen. We simply have to trust God to guide us in his wisdom for who to date and marry and who not to. And if for whatever reason the relationship does not work, then we have to have the faith and the confidence in God to know that he will heal us if we let him. Now, in some situations, yes, we have more clear indicators that the relationship is likely not going to work out or shouldn't work out. These are the outliers. For example, an abusive relationship where someone is being hit demean or emotionally or financially harmed or an ungodly relationship like being a side chick to a married man or a man that you know is committed to seeing someone else. So yes, we can get stuck because of the myths, but we can also get stuck because of the madness. In the aftermath of a breakup, it can feel like you're going crazy, even losing your mind. I call this phase the madness. In this time, so many emotions are swirling around and many of them are confusing. The relationship was not good for you and you know it, but you still want to be with that person. The companionship is now gone and you're fighting loneliness that you hadn't expected. The shared friendships that you had with others when you were together are now a bit uncomfortable as you go solo yet you don't want to give them up because you truly enjoyed the friendships. You're having to settle into a new identity, single again, alone once more. One study suggests that 
the emotional pain after a breakup and a removal of romantic love can impact the brain similarly as if one is withdrawing from an addictive substance or habit. The pull to go back or be back with that person can be so strong that it feels like recovering from an addiction. Love is intoxicating. A dependency and connection have occurred. And in the spiritual realm, a sticking and bonding has taken place that we cannot see because it's happening supernaturally. It involves a tying of souls. You know, intimacy is a high stakes commodity. It costs much from us to develop and it hurts much in us when it dissipates. Other emotions can feel like a thin line between love and hate. And for some, they don't have that pull to go back, but they may still be feeling anger about how things transpired, disappointment that the future now looks very different. Certain dreams and plans are now defunct. Feeling surface of disgust, second guessing, and yes, extreme sadness for what was and what will no longer be. Grieving, you know, the kind that takes your appetite and makes you lose weight. Grieving that makes you use your sick and your vacation days from work. Not wanting to hang out, work out, but just check out. And also in the madness, there might be feelings of rejection and abandonment. And this is even more pronounced if you were ghosted in the relationship. There might be feelings of shame for something that was done to try to make the relationship work or guilt because of something that was done that caused the relationship to fall apart. And then there are some relationships that were good and they just didn't go the distance. And that just flat out hurts. Experiencing and feeling any and all of these emotions is a normal and necessary part of life after love. But when we can't move beyond these emotions and feelings and we're not processing them, managing them, or moving through them, we can easily become stuck in the madness of it all. But what if instead of being stuck in the myths and the madness, we found our stability and our new story in the miraculous grace of God. In the New Testament of the Bible, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a woman that was in a stuck place. She is familiar to many Bible readers as the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Maybe you're listening and you're not a Bible reader yet. So I'll frame her in this way that I like to think of her. And that is as an everyday chick that found herself in a stuck place because of one broken, lost relationship after another. Five former marriages to be exact. And at the time that she met Jesus, she was in a cohabitating relationship. It is believed by some commentaries that the Samaritan culture by way of relational interactions between a man and a woman mirrored the Jewish law which meant it is not likely that this woman could have divorced this number of men. Possibly she was widowed within this number of marriages. The Bible does not give us the details on any of her past relationships or how they ended. But regardless of the reasons for the loss of relationships, this woman was clearly stuck in a place of need. And Jesus knew this. 
So he met her right where she was, emotionally and spiritually. I can only imagine that this woman had to have felt down on herself, rejected, possibly used up in a sense, wounded and broken, resigned to be the one that was known for not being wanted or not being lovable. She had to be living with and masking the pain of being in a stuck place with not a lot of options to be comforted or even knowing how to start something completely different and new. I'm sure her heart needed to feel whole again. Jesus knew exactly what she needed. And in his compassionate, caring, and perfect way of helping her uncover her brokenness in that stuck place, he gave her an offer she couldn't refuse. He gave her himself, the living water that fills in every place that she needed to be refreshed and restored. He helped her to see her value. She was much more than her circumstances. And with that renewed sense of value, she found her voice. She felt boldness and joy. She felt lifted and loved. She felt cared for and motivated into a new calling. She felt the miraculous grace of God. So she went and told her neighbors and her community about this one man who changed her life forever. And they believed her. And because of her story, they were moved to meet Jesus for themselves. This woman now felt her value. She found her voice and she began to live in victory. She won over her stuck place. And victory is the place of being freed up. If you believe that you are in a stuck place after a failed relationship, I want to encourage you to read John chapter 4 and see yourself in the place of this woman receiving the miraculous grace of God because it is available to you today. And then I want to invite you to participate in the following exercise that has some practical strategies for getting unstuck. It has three parts to it and it'll require you to reflect and to journal. You ready? I call it the AAA. The first one is acknowledge the hurt. Often, we don't want to acknowledge how we feel. Sometimes we try to be so strong that we stuff down the feelings or repress the thoughts. Have you noticed that this doesn't work? <laughs> and this is not the time, ladies, to go pull out that big S out of your closet and put it on your chest. This is the time to be completely open, honest, and vulnerable with God and yourself. Tell God that it hurts. Cry out to him about how you feel. Tell yourself, this hurts. You just need to give yourself permission to feel. You know, in some cultures, it's a value statement to be told how strong you are and to just get over it. You don't have time to cry over spilled milk. Well, I'm here to tell you that relationships are not like milk. You can get a bounty towel and clean up milk because that's the quicker picker upper, but not so with love and heartbreak. It takes time to pick up ourselves after the loss of a relationship. So process those feelings and emotions and don't minimize the hurt or you'll minimize your healing. And God's word invites us to cry out to him when we are hurt 
all throughout God's word, people cried out to him. Some were poor, some were wealthy, some were Jewish, some were mixed race, some were men, some were women, some were older, some were younger. Well, God invites you right now, if you're stuck, to cry out to him, whoever you are and wherever you are. Read Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 10 as a means of encouragement. And then each day for the next week, pray this sentence and fill in the blanks. Lord, today I feel blank about this person. Fill that blank in with the appropriate feeling. And then continue. I would like to feel blank. With your help, God, I know I can get there. And once you pray this each day, at the end of the week, see if you notice any changes in your feelings, your thoughts, and your emotions. And if you still feel a little stuck, continue to pray this sentence prayer as long as you need to. Now, the second part of this is you have to acknowledge the hurt, but then access the healing. Start with honest self-reflection. Ask yourself some questions and journal your responses. Where am I with this thing? Am I stuck in the myths or the madness? What emotions am I experiencing right now? And where do I feel it in my body? What emotions have I been holding on to for so long that they aren't serving me well and I need to let them go? Who can I tell that can support me in my grief process and that's trustworthy? You might be surprised at how many varying emotions you might be feeling that you aren't even aware of until you stop and reflect. And if you need to, use a feeling chart to identify those feelings. You can always download free copies of those from the web. You have to know what you're feeling in order to know how to manage it. And then show yourself some compassion. Be kind to yourself. The process of healing from a breakup can have many ups and downs. This is not the time to beat yourself up. Rather, it's the time to get freed up. And when a friend is going through a hard time, we might send a card with some words of encouragement or brighten up their day with some flowers or a thoughtful gift. But just as you would comfort others in a similar situation, extend that same comfort to yourself. Practice some self-compassion. And most of all, remember, God is a healer. Isaiah 61 and 3 tells us that the Lord will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Now, the third part of this exercise, after acknowledging the hurt and accessing the healing, is to accept the new season. In every situation, you get to choose your investment of time, energy, and strength. How will you invest your resources toward your future? Now, often what keeps us stuck is the revisiting and rehearsing of the past. Remind yourself that your best days are ahead of you and that in order to live freely in the future, you have to release and let go of the past. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, to focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling you. 
One way to make a bold break with your past is to simply say goodbye. Write your past a letter. It doesn't have to be addressed to a person, but simply to all that you want to leave behind. So your letter might sound something like the one that I wrote. Dear past, it's time for me to move on. You have served your purpose and my future is waiting for me. And I can't get there being stuck on you. So thanks for everything. Holla. Okay, so maybe you won't end yours like that or maybe it won't sound like that. But determine what works for you. God has assured us that he is continually doing a new thing in our lives if we let him. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 says it like this. Don't dwell on the past. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Aren't you glad that God makes all things new, including our hearts? And I hope that you're convinced that today is a great day to get free up. That's our time on this one, y'all. Meet me back here for the next episode. And until then, take care. I love you. God bless you.